Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. Well, I, I think that was a good idea. Everybody seemed to be uh, amenable to it, so it's good to be friendly, amen? You know, the Bible says that he that uh, would have a friend must show himself friendly. So it's good to be around people that love Jesus and, uh, and want to keep growing, praise God, amen? amen? I'm glad this is a growing church. And, you know, someone says uh, the, 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 uh, a church with just the Spirit, the Spirit without the Word, you blow up uh, the Word alone, and you can dry up, but the Spirit and the Word, and you grow up. Amen? Amen? So, I don't know about you, I, I like uh, growing spiritually. Amen. I think it's so important, especially the day in which we live in. You know, our world is it's just kind of, uh, it's getting stranger all the time, amen? But uh, thank God we're part of a kingdom, an unshakable kingdom that cannot be shaken, cannot be moved, has solid foundation, amen? So um, at any rate, I get to share with you uh, tonight, I think that uh, Pastor Jason and Liz are doing some things with the uh, young people downstairs, and um, we're glad to be back. We were out of town and uh, got to go to uh, an interesting part of uh, our region, uh, an area that um, really where I came to know the Lord uh, in Utica, New York, way back in the day. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about that. I think I'll work it in with something that I'll be sharing tonight, but how many of you brought your, brought your Bibles tonight? You know, I, I brought my old Bible here tonight, my pink, my old pink one. This was, I think it was supposed to be burgundy at one time, but uh, I figured I'd pull this one because it's got these Bible tabs in it. I don't know if you can still get Bible tabs, you know, but they're real lifesavers, you know, because uh, if someone, you know, the pastor says, turn to... Uh, you can find it real quick. But anyway, how many of you have your, your Bible or your device tonight? Let's just hold it up and let's make a good profession of faith. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today my mind is alert. My heart is open. I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, the incorruptible powerful, powerful life-changing word of God. Word Having of God. heard God's word, heard God's I'll, word. Never I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Amen, amen. You know, I read uh, a testimony where from, I think it was a couple of weeks ago at the small group meeting on Sunday evening where the people were making that affirmation and a person had testified that was that was the testimony that they had 
they put in that even in the midst of making that testimony, they could feel God's power just stirring up in their life. So, you know, the Bible says they overcame him, the devil. Our problem is not with God. They overcame the devil by, by the word of their mouth and their testimony. So we need to open our mouth wide and uh, not afraid, be afraid to make declarations. Tonight I want to share with you, uh, I prayed about what the Lord would have me to share on. And I, I, uh, <clears throat> I want to talk about mercy tonight, about mercy. Any of you ever needed mercy at some time in your life? Amen. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about, uh, about the subject of mercy. Now, I'm going to begin. I think we have uh, some scriptures, and uh, we're going to go through some of these. Some of these, you know, it's just good to go through God's Word, looking at the scriptures, and just sort of letting them marinate in your life, because it's God's Word that's powerful. You know, the Bible says the Word of God is alive, and it's powerful. You know, we can get excited about different things. I love to worship the Lord, and that's wonderful, but we need the Word of God, you know, uh, in our hearts and in our, in our lives because something powerful happens on the inside of us when we get the Word and when we study out any particular subject. And I couldn't help but think about that as I was preparing for this lesson tonight about mercy. Um, you know, it's something we all need because we've all been in a position, you know, where you know, we don't need judgment. I need mercy. Amen. Uh, but the Bible has a lot to say about this, and I believe will really minister to our, our life. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 through 7, uh, is the scripture I want to kick off this message with tonight. And here's what it says. I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to... To his mercy, he saved us. Amen. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. That's where a lot of people uh, think. You know, if you, if you do much soul winning or witnessing to people, you know, most people are of the mindset that I, I've got something I've got to do, some act. I have to perform or something I, I must do in order to, um, you know, to earn, to, to earn God's grace in my life or God's favor in my life. But, you know, I mean, the Bible, it just chops the leg off from that argument. It just tells us it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. There's no work of righteousness that we could have done. You know, I don't care. You know, there are some uh, religious traditions, you know, that people will crawl over glass. You know, they have uh, <clears throat> flagellations. You know, they'll beat themselves. They'll do all kinds of, you know, self-abasing sort of things, you know, because there's this sense of 
unworthiness or, you know, I certainly don't merit uh, God's graces in my life. Well, well, we don't, you know. But there's nothing that we could do, no matter how well-intentioned a person may be, you know. I mean, uh, how much they may want to beat up on themselves or, or, or self-denial or whatever. There's, there's no work that we could have done. But the only, th- the only possibility for our salvation was his mercy. His mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, verse 6, that uh, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So, uh, nothing, nothing of any merit that we could have done to earn God's favor in our life. God initiates it. God uh, completed what was necessary to make it possible. Uh, and, and, and it's according to, his, to the hope of eternal life, justified by his grace. Uh, there was a Puritan writer. His name was Thomas Watson. Here's what he said. He said, mercy sweetens all of God's other attributes. Now, if you think about God's attributes, you know, truth, uh, justice, uh, you know, uh, his holiness, those are very frightening and absolute characteristics. And, you know, in, in many ways, when you think about the power and the holiness of God, um, you know, if, if you want to draw away from it. But he says, uh, mercy sweetens all of God's other attributes. When the water was bitter and Israel could not drink, Moses cast a tree into the waters and then they were made sweet. How bitter and dreadful were the other attributes of God if he did not if if mercy did not sweeten them. Mercy sets God's power at work to help us. It makes his justice become our friend. That's amazing. You know, uh, we you know to understand uh, God we have to understand him in all of his attributes, you know, not just one. I mean, even if, if uh, you know, we, God is truth, you know, but you can, you can beat people over the head with truth. And, uh, but, but mercy gives us a look into the heart of God. You know, he's never, he, he, he doesn't compromise on any of these others, but yet, all of them are tempered with his mercy. It's very, very powerful. Um, I, I mentioned about where we where we uh, we were this past weekend. We were in the Utica area of New York, and that's where I was saved. I was saved in the uh, in Pam's dorm room, 
in Judica College. And I hadn't been back there. I mean, this, this was back in the 70s. Well, we went back to that dorm room. And, uh, yeah. and uh, so it was kind of a nostalgic thing. We, we, we went back, and there was nobody there, you know. But I, I stood outside of that dorm room, and I thought, wow. Because that's, that's where I had a God encounter, you know. Uh, I had gone out to save Pam from the religious fanatics. And, and, uh, and she began praying in her new prayer language, you know. And I, man, I just, it kind of, it shook me up. And I just, all I knew to say was, God, I've got to know you. I've got to know you. I have got to know you. And all of a sudden, I had an awareness of how lost, I really was, you know, I was separated from God. My sin separated me from God. And, uh, and, and I, I, you know, Pam didn't know what to do. And she said, God, what do I do? What do I do? And she saw a billboard. And on the billboard, it said, Matthew 9, 2. And she found her Bible and opened it up to that verse. And it says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And then I started crying because, my God, my sins are forgiven, you know. I mean, I, I, I knew how lost I was. And uh, so, but now I'm crying because, my God, I'm forgiven. And so Luke 7, 13, she runs and gets her Bible, opens it up. Arise, my son, and weep no more. And uh, so, I mean, it, it, was such a, it was such a God moment, you know. So it was kind of neat to... Uh, to go back and stand on that campus, you know, and go back and stand outside of that room. And, and then on Sunday, we preached at a church just south. Did you ever hear our greenhouse story? Our greenhouse story? Um, we had decided that we were going to, uh, after I went out to save Pam from the religious fanatics, and I became one, <laughs> uh, Having that experience that I had in that in her dorm room, um, we just knew, you know, we needed to. We this was time. We needed to get married. We needed to uh, be together, and so <clears throat> I was studying geology at University of Maine, up in northern Maine, Bangor, Maine, and she was out at Utica College, so. She was studying occupational therapy, and they didn't have that kind of a program in Maine, so we decided that I would transfer to Syracuse University, and she would continue there at Utica. And so Syracuse and Utica are 50 miles apart. They're exactly 50 miles apart. So we figured, well, we'll live in the middle, (laughs) you know, and... uh, my sister-in-law at the time wasn't a Christian, and uh, they thought we were kind of screwy, you know. I mean, we, we, had, we had this God encounter. Our life had been shaken at its core, you know. We, I mean, Jesus walked into our lives, you know, and, and uh, so, but we just knew we could trust him, you know. We didn't, hadn't, didn't have a lot of teaching about faith or anything. We just knew, man, if he, if he could do this, he can do anything. So 
we decided that's what we would do. You know, we, so I transferred, got, a tra- got transferred, and uh, we drove out and pulled into this little town, Canastota, New York. We were there just the other day. Little town square when you drive in off of Route 5. And uh, uh, so we had to find a place to live. Well, we were at my parents' house before this. And my sister-in-law kept saying to Pam, where are you going to live? Where are you going to live? And we said, well, we're just trusting God. Yeah, but this is crazy. You guys are so crazy. You don't know what you're going out. You're driving out to upstate New York, and you don't know where you're going to live. You know? Well, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and Pam's standing at the sink with my sister-in-law, and Pam blurts out, we have a greenhouse. And I went, oh, my word. <laughs> and my sister-in-law goes, what? She goes, we have a greenhouse. We're going to live in a greenhouse. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my word, you know. So we had a little talk when we left. I said, what's going on here? She says, all I know is it's kind of like that situation when you got saved in the dorm room, I just looked up and I saw a deep forest greenhouse with a tree in front. And she said, we got a greenhouse. I said, well, okay. (laughs) So we drove out to upstate New York and we drove into this little town, Canastota. And um, so we're driving around town, and every time we'd see a greenhouse, Pam would go, there's a greenhouse, you know, for sale. I go, honey, I don't have any money. I'm living on, we're living on my GI bill, $270 a month. We're both in school. And we're driving two cars. And uh, so finally we went to talk to this realtor. He said, well, you know, I know two school teachers. And they, they flip houses in the summertime. They buy these houses, and they fix them up. And, uh, and then they rent them out. And I think they're working on a place right now. So he said, why don't, you, why don't you two go to the New York State Fair, which is, was going on last week. I think it just ended. So it was last week, almost 40 year, over 40 years ago. He said, why don't you two go to the New York State Fair, and I'll get back with you in a couple of days. So... We never said a word to anybody about our greenhouse. Never said a word at all. Never said a word to this guy about it. He comes back and goes, yeah, he says, they're just ready to finish up a place that's going to be done in about a week. We negotiated the lease. They came down in the rent. I think it was $140 a month. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, uh, so... We, we you know, made the arrangements, and we said, well, listen, we've, we're living out of our cars, basically. We're living in a one-room place, and we've got all our stuff in our cars. I said, could we unload some of it before it comes time for us to move in? He said, yeah, I'm sure they'll let you do that. So we pull in to this place, 215 Roberts Street. As we pull in front of the place, one of the guys, there's two teachers, one of them comes running over toward us. And he's, he's, he's just going, oh, I am so sorry. I am so, so sorry. His friend's up on scaffolding, and he's painting. 
And he goes, I am so sorry. He goes, we went to the store and we were going to paint this house brown. And he says, for some reason, we bought green paint. I'm, I'm not embellishing this story. This is honestly... He says, for some reason, we bought green paint, and we can't stand the color. He said, but you guys are going to be living here, so what do you think about it? Oh, we said, we like it just fine. (laughs) We like it just fine. They painted that house green. We just were there last week at this house. It's not green anymore. It's not green. I looked in the mailbox, and there's mail in there from... Uh, April of 2018, so I don't know what's going on with the place. But uh, at, at, at any rate, uh, God is good, and he does good. So that, it, was, it was quite nostalgic to revisit some of those places that were very significant uh, in our life. But grace, we're, we're talking about mercy, talking about mercy... Psalm uh, 89 and verse number 14. Um, we have that. Psalm 89, 14. It says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Now, I, I know in my own life, with my encounter with God, knowing I was totally stripped, Totally, uh, you know, I had an awareness of my sin and my separation from him. But then he came in with mercy. And it's like, it makes, you know, you you really have a hard time appreciating mercy if you don't really know what justice demanded. You know, where where I did not have a leg to stand on. But God comes in with his mercy. And the Bible says here that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. But listen, mercy and truth go before his face. You know, that's, that's powerful. You know, he delights, he delights in showing mercy. You know, a lot of times God is painted as this, as, as you know, as he's angry. You know, he's, he is, he's demanding you know, that justice be extracted from us. And, you know, he did, the Bible says in Isaiah, he shall see uh, the torment. He, he shall see what Jesus went through and he shall be satisfied. And so now he can freely offer to us mercy. You know, mercy ought to, an understanding, an understanding of the justice of God and it being tempered by his mercy really ought to humble our hearts. It, it ought to, uh, you know, Titus says that mercy teaches us to deny ungodliness. There are a lot of People today that think when they talk about God's mercy or his grace, it's kind of like a license to do whatever I want to do. You know, it's kind of like I got a, I got a ticket to, you know, do whatever I want to do. No, really, when you really understand 
this part of the nature of God, really what it does is it, is it, it, it restrains you, makes you a kinder person. Amen? It, it makes you more, more like him. And more like him. Because mercy and truth go before his face. Uh, Psalm 145, 8 and 9. Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and great in mercy. Man, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. Uh, he is, uh, the Lord is good to all. Verse 9, he's good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Praise God. You know, Jesus, in dealing with the religious people of his day, in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, we, you know, Jesus was received by the common people. They loved him because, you know, they, they knew they were messed up. They knew their life was, you know, was a mess. They knew that they had sinned. They, they, weren't, uh, they weren't trying to hide behind a religious mask. And that, that can be a very uh, convenient, but it's a very dangerous thing to do, to hide behind a, a, you know, a religious veneer on the outside. That's... That's who Jesus had his most, most problems with him. It was the, the righteous, self-righteous, religious people who, who would not admit you know, that, that they needed help or salvation. They were totally convinced, I'm doing this on my own. I don't need anybody. And, uh, and so here's what Jesus says to them. Woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. The weightier matters of the law. In other words, you know, they were, they were tithing these little spices, I mean, down to the most minuscule little thing. You know, they, they were just so careful that they would... Uh, split hairs when it came to issues of, of the, the tide. But Jesus says, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. What's the weightier matters of the law, according to Jesus? Justice and mercy and faith. Justice and mercy and faith. You know, when you understand the... the the merciful heart of God and the gracious heart of God. Your faith, you know, soars. You know, a lot of times we spend time trying to, you know, people, you know, how to use your faith and, and, and that's okay. But if we really would get to see the heart of God, it's not hard to have strong faith when you understand that God is merciful, you know, and he paid the total cost for me. So, you know, it's like, wow. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run to him. If he did that, if he did that for me, you know, why, what else will he do for me? 
And, and could we just put that back up there, uh, that scripture? And neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done. So when Jesus, what he's saying here, he's talking about tithing. You know, he's talking about, he's talking about uh, things that were part of the law. He said, yeah, that's important. But from his standpoint, what's even more important is uh, justice and mercy and faith. So that's a pretty powerful statement. That's a pretty powerful statement. And uh, I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that um, knowing God, knowing his character, knowing his heart, Knowing his goodness is, is really a, a key that makes all of this uh, flow. You know, it's not trying to uh, parse words or, you know, it really, it ties both testaments together. It's not just a New Testament issue. This is the heart of God that was revealed even in Old Testament times. For instance, um, in Exodus chapter 34, Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 and 6, when this was the second time that God uh, delivers the Ten Commandments. You know, the first time, old Mo got a little, a little irritated with his, uh, his fellow Israelites, you know, and he ended up throwing them down. And God... You know, uh, you know, creates a second set. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Um, both Pam and I are, uh, we didn't plan this, but both of us are sort of doing studies because we were just drawn to do it uh, on the names of God, you know, the names of Jesus. You know, he's the branch. He's the bright and morning star. Uh, but um, over here, um, God is revealing himself and uh, his character by his name, what that tells us about him. And it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Next verse. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. So here is God. Here is God expressing uh, to, to Moses and to us. So we get to see, you know, his essence, his character, who he, who he is, his nature, which he's like. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Man, isn't that, isn't that powerful? I mean, that just, that just makes my, you know, uh, that makes my faith rise. You know, if that's him, if, if, he's, if he's merciful, he's gracious, he's long-suffering, he's abounding in goodness. You know, the Bible says we could come boldly, boldly to find 
grace to help us in time of need because he is merciful and he's gracious and, and he is long-suffering. Uh, Psalm 100 and verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. It's everlasting. So, uh, you know, even, even in old Testament times, we see many, many instances uh, of, uh, of his mercy. Uh, and his truth endures to all generations. So he is totally unchanging, unchanging. His mercy, his mercy. Uh, Psalm 108 and verse number 4. Psalm 108 and 4. For your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the clouds. Now, I thought about this when I read this verse. His mercy is above the heavens and his truth reaches to the clouds. It's like, it's almost like mercy overshadows truth. You know, you can, you can chop people up with truth. You know, the, uh, so the, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Amen. And so... Uh, God certainly wants for us to understand that he is that he that his heart is a heart of mercy and compassion for us first Peter uh, chapter one and verse number three blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So it was in accordance with his abundant mercy that he initiated you know, his plan of salvation, that he sent his only begotten son into the world. To, to take our place to be our substitute. And, uh, and this was all in accordance with his abundant mercy. Mercy is getting what you do not deserve and not getting what you do deserve. I'll say that again. Mercy is getting what you do not deserve. All right? So it's not getting... It's not getting the justice. It's not getting the penalty. Uh, so mercy is, is getting what you do not deserve and not getting what you do deserve. So God is good, praise God. He is good, he's kind, he's long-suffering. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. Ephesians chapter 2, verse Four through seven it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, he's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Now, God is love, and because of his love, because of the love that he has for us, he's rich in mercy. He's very merciful toward us. Verse even when we were dead in trespass, 
He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I like this next part. That in the ages to come, you know, that includes right now. You know, some, some people say, well, the ages to come, you know, that's when we die and we leave. No, no, that's right now. That's right now. Praise God. Right now we get what we don't deserve and don't get what we do deserve. I mean, to me, that's humbling. To me, I want, you know, that's why uh, Titus says, you know, uh, that teaching us, his mercy teaches us to deny ungodliness. It teaches us, how can you not be? You know, it's like that, it's like the parable that Jesus tells about the man that owed an incredible sum of money. He never could repay it, and he was forgiven. And then he walked away from that, and he runs into a guy that owes him some pocket change, you know, and he has him locked up. I mean, how could you, how could you have that kind of a heart? I don't understand it. That's a pretty hard heart. I just, I, I don't get it. To me, it's just kind of natural, you know. But I guess, you know, you, God's got to open our eyes, you know. God has to open our eyes because uh, to whom much is, has been forgiven, you know. Uh, I think there's a, a lot of gratitude that follows that. But, um, but God's mercy, if you go back to uh, verse 4, uh, go back to verse 4 in that Ephesians. God who's rich in mercy because of his great love. So mercy, mercy is God uh, not giving us what we deserve and giving us what we don't deserve. You know, pouring, lavishing, you know, blessing, his, you know, uh, provision, the opportunity to come before him, bring our request to him, you know, come to the throne of grace finding grace to help, whatever, whatever we need, man. He, it, it's, I mean, he loves, he loves to, to, uh, to show himself merciful. In fact, we'll look at one last and we'll, uh, we'll finish with this. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I like this. He is the Father of mercies. He's the father of mercies. You know, he's not God, you know. He's, he's not the transcendent one, you know. He is not the enforcer, you know. I, I mean, the father of mercies. He's the father of mercies. And he is the God of all, of all comfort. So... I don't know about you, but it just, you know, we sing that song. Well, we don't sing it too much anymore, but I keep falling in love with him over and over and over again. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. You know, the more that we know his heart, the more that we know his heart and understand uh, how he has revealed himself, he has been revealed to us. I mean the more it brings a sense of confidence in one's life, the more it brings a sense of stability in one's life, the more one resolves 
to live a life that honors him. You know, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so critical. It's so critical that we, that we know the heart of our Father. I think that's where so often, where people get off track, that's where you get uh, cults or you get people that get into spurious and weird and strange things because they, they, they really forget the foundation which is knowing the heart of God, Father God. It's so important. Paul the Apostle was still praying this uh, prayer, you know, years after his initial encounter. He said that, that I, I want to know him. I want to know him better. Praise God. So let's just, uh, we've ju- got just a couple of minutes. Uh, let's just pray. Father, we thank you tonight. Father, we thank you that uh, you have revealed yourself to us as the God of mercy. You delight, you delight in mercy. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for the mercy that you have shown to us. Father, thank you that you, who you are, your spirit within us, Father, thank you that it touches our hearts and, uh, and, and causes us to be more like you, Father. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we, we pray for our nation. Oh, God, we lift our nation up to you, Father. And, Father, we pray for an outpouring, Father, a move of your spirit, Father, a move, Father, where people, Father, would see and understand their need their need for the grace and mercy of God, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray for, Father, for just that awakening, Father, in people's lives, Father. Father, where they would weep at the knowledge of, of their lost state, Father, without you, but yet, Father, would stand up and with joy and, Father, with stability and strength in their life, because God in mercy reached down and saved them. And so, Father, we pray over our community. We pray over Erie, Pennsylvania, Father. You've given us this sphere of influence, and we prayed for our schools tonight. We pray for our families, and we pray for our children, Father. Father, thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. In the name of Jesus, Open our eyes, Father. Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray for our church. And we pray for churches throughout this community. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You go before us, Father. You prepare the way before us. You give us utterance. You give us, Father, the right words to speak, Father. You temper our hearts, Father. Oh, God, we love you tonight. Let's just stand and let's just lift our hands to heaven. Just tell him you love him tonight. Oh, God, we worship you tonight. We bless you tonight, Father. You're so good to us. You've been so kind and so merciful to to us, Father. Uh, God, we just want to thank you for all that you've done, Father. 
God, I thank you that you are the one that that has taken our sicknesses and our diseases. And as we worship you tonight, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your healing power that flows throughout this auditorium. Thank you for your quickening power tonight in Jesus' name. Father God, thank you that you heal us from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. No sickness will come nigh our dwelling, Father. You said with long life, I'll satisfy you and I'll show you my salvation. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father. You keep us healthy and strong so that we can do the work that you've called us to do. Father, thank you that we are the children of God for signs and wonders. And Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. You use us for your glory. And we give you the praise and all of the honor in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want to pray tonight if anyone uh, has brought any offering for, you can put it out back in the little bucket. Father, we just thank you tonight, Father. Father, we thank you that you are our provider. And Father, we thank you. We're blessed coming in and blessed going out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right. Well, this was awesome. My privilege. And I think I'll be back next week. Same bat channel. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.